fresh every Tuesday for MSPs around the world. This is Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. Hello there and welcome back to the podcast. Here's what we've got coming up in this week's show. I've had the privilege of speaking to two, three, four hundred MSPs and the problems are almost universal. The underlying tools are always a problem. That's Ben Spector from Zementum. He's going to be joining me later on in the show to tell us how you can increase the sales coming into your MSP. We're also going to be looking at YouTube and specifically answering this question. Should your MSP start its own YouTube channel? Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast. On last week's show, we talked in detail about where to find a phone person. In case you haven't heard that episode yet, just nip back, episode 136. We talk about why you need someone making outbound phone calls in your business. Essentially, their job is to phone up leads and prospects to try to find if this is the right time to talk. That's their main job. So they're making those calls on your behalf so that you don't have to do them. And the outcome that they are working towards is booking a proper 15 minute video call with you. So put another way, the phone person is doing the hard work, the donkey work, if you like, of picking up the phone, dialing, picking up the phone, dialing, you know, being told to get stuffed, all of the things that makes people like you and me not want to pick up the phone. They're doing all of that on your behalf and their goal is to book in one, two, maybe three appointments a week with you. So you are absolutely maxing out your time. Now, their calling setup is a critical part of getting this right. And it's what I want to talk about on today's podcast. You see, as I recommended last week, this is a great, flexible, homeworking job for a back-to-work parent, a back-to-work mum in particular. And you want to set up something that gives them maximum flexibility, but also sets them up for success. And you also want to make sure that you can keep an eye on what they're doing. Because in my experience of hiring and firing many phone people over the years, both in this business and my previous business, they do tend to be the hardest people to manage. I think generally someone whose way of making a living is making phone calls, often cold calls for other people. Sometimes those can be, let's just say, difficult people to manage. So you do need to keep an eye on them and check that they are doing what they're supposed to be doing. The easy answer to this, of course, is letting them use your VoIP system. So you could just set them up with a soft VoIP uh, attachment just you know they could just use their computer couldn't they Uh, but they're on your VoIP system what that does mean of course is that they're calling from your number and not some mobile number I don't know about you but when I get uh, a call and it's you know it's not a local company that's calling it's just some random number or it's a mobile number I don't answer it's just easier not to do that so I think making phone calls from at the very least a a number with your local dialing code is important, but preferably your own number would be even better because anyone that misses a call and calls back, they'll be coming through to your office. So that's pretty important. I think it's also critical that you record these phone calls as well. They should just have recording enabled by default. A couple of different reasons for that. First of all, you yourself as part of your quality control, you can listen back to some of those phone calls at random. And it's a good thing to do, certainly in the first couple of weeks when you've got your phone person is just, you know, delve into the recording listen to one at random and just double check that you are comfortable with how your business is being represented by someone else on the phone. 
I mean, the big picture is here. It doesn't really matter. These are not clients that someone's calling on your behalf. They're leads and prospects. And I promise you, very, very little damage is going to be done to your overall business reputation just by someone making phone calls on your behalf. At the same time, it's just worth having a listen and just double checking, seeing what they are saying. The other benefit of recording phone calls in this way is that you can use some of the calls for coaching. Coaching is where you help someone to get better at their job and it works really, really well with recorded phone calls because the basis of good coaching starts with evidence. I learned this when I worked in radio and again, coaching worked really well in radio and I put myself through a coaching diploma because it was easy for me to sit down with the radio presenters that I was managing and we could actually sit and listen to a piece of their show. We used to call these snoop tapes Never really thought where that expression came from, I guess because you're snooping on something. But all radio stations, certainly where they have live output these days, there's a little tape running. Well, there's two tapes running. There's one tape that records everything. It's not really a tape anymore. It'll be a hard drive, Paul. Not even a hard drive, Paul. It'll be an SSD. Anyway, you're recording all of the output, and that's kind of like the legal record of what the station has broadcast. But then most presenters will have their own little tape that they're running as well, and that's for them to listen back to the show. In the old days, it was cassette tapes. What would you use these days? I'm so out of touch with radio. Anyway, the point being, you had a little bit of audio you could listen to, and it was really easy for you as the coach and the person you're coaching to discuss three critical things based on that recording. The first thing is what's gone well. It's really important to look at what's gone well in any kind of performance. And remember, a phone call is a type of performance. The second thing to look at is what hasn't gone so well. Now you will hear a thousand things that need to be fixed in every single phone call, but you have to tackle them one at a time. Because the third thing you say to the person that you're coaching is what are you going to change tomorrow? Or what are you gonna change later on today? And the idea is that out of every coaching session, they walk away with one more thing to go away and improve, to go away and work on, but just one thing. Especially when they first started with you, the temptation is to give them a thousand things to work on, but actually if it's something, just one thing that they have heard and picked up on the call, they might say, ah, I was too quiet there, or I didn't hear his question properly, or I should have asked for a clarification. It's them hearing themselves making a mistake and realizing how they could have done it better. That's the power of coaching. Coaching is not really about telling them what they should be changing. It's about helping them to hear for themselves where they made a mistake and where they could improve their performance. And that's quite difficult to do with, you know, a bit of technical work with your technicians, but with a telephone person like this, it's simple because every single call can and should be recorded. So that's it. The call setup really should be very, very simple. Oh, actually, I suppose there's one more thing that we should discuss, which is how do they access your calendar? Because remember, the goal here is to get them booking 15-minute appointments on your behalf. What's the easiest way for them to access your calendar? I think something like Microsoft Bookings, which is part of 365, or of course Calendly, which is the paid alternative, or there are hundreds of other alternatives, I'm sure. I think one of those things is the best way to do it. So instead of mucking around trying to have shared calendars and just being difficult like that, complex situations, keep it really simple. Use a service that's already set up and designed for other people to insert things into your live calendar. And of course, the beauty of that is you can set rules 
falls within bookings or Calendly. So you can set times of the day. You can do things like if they book a 15 minute appointment, it actually blanks another 30 minutes after that appointment. So you assume that if the appointment goes well, that 15 minutes could become a 20, 25, 30 minute chat. You don't want to be sitting, you know, stressed and anxious because you've got another event coming up in your calendar. And of course, the other thing you can do with these bookings and Calendly is send automatic emails to the person so you can get that appointment into their calendar. That's as important as getting it into yours. So I think that's the easiest way to give your phone person access to your diary. Use an automated tool like that. Do you know, I think there's one more part of this, one more part of this puzzle to solve, and that's who should your phone people be calling? And critically, what should they say? So do you know what? I've just decided we're going to do another part on this next week, a third and final part on how to find and train the perfect phone person for your MSP. Next week, I'll tell you who they should be calling and exactly what they should be saying. Here's this week's clever idea. I've been working with MSPs full-time since 2016, and there's a question that I'm starting to be asked more and more, but it's only been in the last couple of years. Yet this question relates to something that's actually been around as a marketing channel since 2005. What's the question? It's this. Paul, should I start my own YouTube channel? And the short answer to this is yes, absolutely you should. Every MSP should have a YouTube channel. And why? Because YouTube isn't just the world's most popular video streaming platform, it's also the world's second most used search engine. What's the world's first most used search engine? Well, it's Google, of course. And who owns YouTube? It's Google, of course. Let's just have a look, actually. Let's just look up some uh, YouTube stats. If I just type in here, YouTube stats, and oh, we'll go to um, Hootsuite. Here we go, blog.hootsuite.com, 23 YouTube stats that matter to marketers in 2022. Right, we'll have a bit of that. So YouTube has 1.7 billion unique monthly visitors. I didn't know that. 54% of YouTube users are male, not kind of relevant. Um, in the US, 62% of users access YouTube daily. Visitors spend an average of 19 minutes a day on YouTube. That's interesting, isn't it? And YouTube is the world, oh, no, I didn't know this. Not only is YouTube the world's second most used search engine, it's also the world's second most used website after Google, which is the first one. Uh, and every minute, 694,000 hours of video are streamed on YouTube. That's a lot of video, isn't it? And you could argue from that, but Paul, if we create our own YouTube channel, number one, are we just adding to the noise? Number two, what are we going to put on there? And number three, how are we going to get people to watch it? Those are the kind of the follow-up questions that come from that. Well, let's just address that first one. Are you creating more noise? Yes, in a way, but does it really matter? On Netflix, they keep adding new programs every single day. And although some programs come off, most of them stay on Netflix. Does that make Netflix less valuable as it adds more programs? Is it adding more noise? As a society, as a species, we are creating content at a phenomenal amount. And I can't find the stat, I'm sure I could if I looked hard enough, but something like 90% of all the content that's ever been created has been created in the last five years or something like that. It's a stat, you know, the numbers are probably a bit different, but you get the idea for that stat. And we are creating an amazing amount of content. Does that just mean you're just adding to that noise then if you create a bit of your own content? 
I don't think so. Not really. I think, in fact, you have to. But content marketing is one of the most robust ways to reach people these days. You know, the people that are buying from you never forget those ordinary business owners and managers. They don't know what they don't know. They really know very little about technology. So you have a huge opportunity to both educate and entertain them, edutainment. And you can do that particularly through video. So yes, I think you should start a YouTube channel. And there's a couple of different ways that you can fill up that channel. The easiest and probably the least impactful way is to go and get other people's content. So you have services like my MSP Marketing Edge, which I'm about to talk about in a second and in the blatant plug bit. We produce videos. We produce a new video every single week. It's lovely, actually. It's a kind of a topical video. So it's not news, but it's about something that people may already be talking about or something new that's happened. And we film a 60 second video about that with a female presenter up on screen. We have a US version and there's a UK version as well. And, you know, it's very, very high quality content. And that, well, if I say to all of our members, we've got 650 plus, I say to them, you should put that onto your YouTube channel. And then, of course, from your YouTube channel, it goes onto your website as well. And we have a monthly video as well, which can go on. And, you know, I know a lot of the vendors produce video content. There's nothing to stop you putting all of that into a YouTube channel. But as I said, that's the least impactful way of doing it. The most impactful way and the way that will frankly give you the best results is for you to create your own videos. You on screen making videos. Is that your idea of hell? Is that something that you're thinking, no, I can't do that. I wouldn't want to do that. That's not for me. Well, many MSPs feel exactly that way. And that's why those MSPs who do get around to it, who do actually create their own videos, those are the ones who over a long period of time, they tend to stand out more. You know, you might only get 30 or 40 views of each of your videos on YouTube, but that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that because the goal here is not to have two, three thousand views of every video. You're not a YouTuber. You're not making your living off the platform. You're using the platform to influence leads and prospects and other people who could be quite important to you in your local area or in your niche or your niche. So if you could possibly get over all of the objections, all of the things that would stop you from filming your own videos, I promise you it will make a big difference. But only if you commit to it in the long term. You can go back through this podcast and we've had a couple of guests on who, MSPs, who've created their own YouTube channel. If you go back to some of our earlier episodes and, you know, I keep in touch with uh, some of those and there is a payoff to it. If you can keep creating good content, there is a payoff to it because eventually you become kind of infamous. People say to you when you meet them at networking events or other meetings, they say, oh, I saw one of your videos. You're that guy on YouTube. You're the tech guy on YouTube. You know, and you, you almost become a mini celebrity. It's like being a TV star, but in a very, very, very small way. But it really does have an impact. And what it does is it gives you differentiation from all of the other MSPs. Now, of course, the things that make the biggest difference in YouTube is the quality of the picture, the quality of the sound, and the lighting. If you get those three things right, get a decent mic, get a decent camera, and get some decent lighting, which doesn't mean spending thousands. Consumer-grade kit is practically broadcast quality these days. You don't even need to record in 4K. 1080 will be absolutely fine. You could just use your phone, so long as you use it in landscape. I mean, that's good enough just to get started. And I think that's the secret with a YouTube channel. Commit yourself to doing a weekly video on YouTube 
and just get on and do it. Make it a regular thing. Perhaps you do every Thursday morning. Oh, I suppose the other thing I should talk about is what should you talk about on your YouTube channel? Well, that's the easiest thing because there's so much happening in our little world. You could talk about changes that are happening to software, you know, Teams updates, Windows updates, that kind of thing. Uh, you could talk about just sort of general things like, you know, should you have a second monitor or talk about backups, the, the real kind of basics, because remembering the audience you're talking to, they don't necessarily understand the basics, let alone the complex stuff. I think some of the content that would really resonate with your audience is actually more business orientated stuff. And this is the kind of the challenge for you is to talk about businessy stuff, you know, increased productivity, getting things done, remote working, all of those kind of things, which are actually of interest to other business people. In fact, they care about that kind of content more than they care about technology style content. But really, you just go for content that's of interest to you and that you think ordinary decision makers will be interested in. Don't overthink it. Have fun filming it. And it's only a matter of weeks and months until your YouTube channel will actually start to return attention and engagement to you. And you can turn attention and engagement into leads and new clients. Paul's blatant plug. I did just mention that I was going to do a blatant plug for the NSP Marketing Edge because we're here to make your marketing easy. And we do that by giving you all of the content that you need and unlimited support to implement that content. Like I mentioned those videos just now, but there's a whole bunch of other stuff. Emails, social media, there's stuff that can go onto your website like buyer's guides. There's a book. There are tools that go into your website. There's a whole ton of stuff and it's everything you need to build multiple audiences of people, build a relationship with them, and then commercialize that relationship. Now, here's the critical thing. We only sell it to one MSP per area. In fact, we have a waiting list that's longer than our member list. This is true. We have about just over 650 members around the world, and our waiting list is actually longer. So you want to see if your area is still available. Go on to MSP marketingedge.com pick your country and you just put in it's either like your postcode or your zip code depending on which country you are in if your area isn't available then please do join the waiting list and we will let you know if and when it becomes available if your area is available i would snap that up it's free in most parts of the world to try your first month in the uk it's just one pound and that's just because we use a different payment system in the uk but it's a free trial 30 days and then afterwards it's it's just £99 a month in the UK or $129 US everywhere else in the world. There's no contract and you can cancel any time. MSPMarketingEdge.com The Big Interview Hi, I'm Ben Spector, Product Manager at Zementum. Hi, Ben. Thank you very much for joining me on the podcast this week. So you and I first got talking when I did a big webinar for Zementum a couple of months ago. That was an awesome webinar, wasn't it? That was great fun doing that. And thank you very much for asking me to come on to that uh, yourself and Shannon. Uh, I wanted to get you onto my podcast because you are a fascinating guy with lots of things to talk about regarding sales and marketing for MSPs. Before we get into that, and, and specifically looking at uh, how MSPs should be doing sales and marketing uh, in 2022. Just give us a little bit of your background. So wh who are you? Where do you come from? What, what gives you the credibility to talk about sales and marketing? Sure. Uh, well, first, thanks for having me. Uh, always a, a very flattering intro. Um, I, I would guess I'd caveat the whole thing by saying I'm definitely not a sales and marketing expert. 
What I do know a lot about is mapping the processes that the MSPs learn from the great sales marketing coaches like yourself into the actual tools and platforms that they're using to run their business. So my background, I was running an MSP for about the last 15 years that I was fortunate enough to um, sell and exit around October 2020, so just over a year and a half ago. And I was running that business on Autotask as PSA for about 10 years. We had HubSpot for marketing automation for about the last four or so years. Um, and we also had a sales, sort of, well, not a sales tool, a quoting tool, QuoteWorks, for the last, well, for actually probably about seven or eight years. And after I left that business, I then went to join another MSP as technical director um, because I thought that's where my interests really aligned. Um, yeah, I, I thought what I enjoyed from my MSP was actually doing kind of managing the technical projects and, and being responsible for overall technical delivery. So I thought, great, tech director, that's exactly what I'm looking for. Um, in reality, though, they were also running their business on Autotask. Um, and it was really interesting for me to, to discover that actually what I was really enjoying doing, what I ended up spending most of my time doing was improving their internal sort of platforms and tooling, tuning auto tasks to drive as much automation as possible. And it, it got reached a point after a month or so that I was working with their sales team, putting together, sort of helping them put together the technical elements of some proposals. And they were still doing all of their quoting and proposals out directly out of Autotask and Microsoft Word. And it was all very manual and a a bit painful. So I said to the CEO, look, we really need to deploy QuoteWorks here because it, it, it will completely transform the way they're doing their sales. And the CEO said, look, that's all well and good. I, I understand you've got this QuoteWorks experience, but I've heard about this other platform that's been making a lot of noise. In, uh, the online community is like the tech tribe, uh, and it's called Zomentum, to which my response was kind of flippantly, I've never heard of it. QuoteWorks have been doing this for over 20 years. Who is Zomentum? I'm frankly, I'm just really not interested in learning a new platform right now. We've got enough on our hands. And so I was given a bit of a, you know, back in your box, Ben, let's just at least have a demo of Zomentum and see what it's all about. And so I reluctantly had a demo, I guess, as a prospective customer in about January last year and had that real light bulb sort of fall off chair moment of, wow, this is in fact the entire end-to-end solution to the whole sales problem that I had as an MSP that they were having as an MSP and that pretty much any other MSP I'd ever spoken to was also having. You know, they've, they've, they've got a tool that helps them with the marketing, perhaps something like HubSpot, ActiveCampaign, Infusionsoft, those kind of tools. And everyone's generally got a PSA, which does a great job of, of managing uh, their clients. But there's a there's a gap between marketing and the management of those clients, which is that sales puzzle, and it's you know and I think so. What I saw in Zomentum was this this tool that would sit between HubSpot for me and, and Autotask and manage the sales pipeline, 
And, you know, I'd looked at various platforms over the years and tried to solve it with quote works and various other bits and pieces and just had never quite got there. So I, I think um, what we'll do, we'll talk specifically about Zomentum later on in the interview. I know that right now, a thousand MSPs across the world are putting their, their head in their hands saying, oh my God, I need another piece of software <laughs> to add to my stack. First, I was, they told me I needed a PSA, then I needed an RMM, then I needed a, a, a piece of marketing software. Now, you know, a year ago, it was customer experience platforms, and now I need a sales one. But no, I, I think um, having having seen myself just a little bit of what Zomentum does, I think you're right that it's... It's, it's identified a hole, a problem. And we'll, we'll come back specifically to what Zomentum does later on. Now, you, you, when you had your MSP, which you said you were running for 15 years, it's very interesting that you, you had the same problems that you then saw in the MSP that you went to work with. And I know that obviously since you, since you sold that business, was it a year and a half ago, you've gone on and you've worked with a number of MSPs. Obviously, you, you're working with them through Zomentum and through through your own sort of coaching and mentoring that you do. Um, do you see that all MSPs have have this this issue of of this sort of problem with marketing and sales, or 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 is it just is it? Would you say that's everyone that's got that issue? Yeah. So as you say, I, I've now had the. The, I don't know if privilege is the right word, but I'll use it anyway. I've had the privilege of speaking to two, three, four hundred MSPs over the last year or so. And the problems are almost universal. And the, the, the MSPs themselves are at different levels of maturity in terms of their sales and marketing processes. But the underlying tools are always a problem. You know, a lot of the more mature ones perhaps they're working with a sales coach or or a business coach, they've got a marketing agency on board. And those professional individuals or or firms are delivering everything they need in terms of the knowledge, they're helping them build out the collateral, they're helping them build out the, the processes at a theoretical level. But none of them have, or very few of them have managed to then implement that knowledge and that material into the actual systems that are going to automate those processes and, and manage the processes for them. And that's, that's a real issue, isn't it? Because, you know, as, as we've talked about a thousand times on this podcast, it's not just about being good at what you do. It's about being good at marketing that. And actually, the most successful MSPs from a marketing point of view are those that get good at marketing, systemize it, put in place the software, you know, put in place the systems and, and they're driving it every day. Yeah, and but it, it it's very difficult. Yeah, I think most most MSP owners are technically led. There are very few MSPs I've come across that are led by sales leaders who've then hired technical people to join them. Normally, they're technical leaders that have tried to then find sales leaders to join them, and that's a problem that really resonates for me because I went through probably well not probably, I went through three sales directors or sales leaders in the space of about six or seven years. And looking back at it retrospectively, it's quite interesting. You know, I can see exactly what I was doing wrong because nobody else is ever going to talk about my business as passionately as I would. And and therefore, actually the technical leader that that MSP owner needs to really become their own sales voice. Um, and it, it's very difficult to do, but with the right tools to help you do that, it becomes a lot easier. You know, I didn't really know anything about 
how to manage a sales pipeline, what the stages look like, and therefore how to processize it. But with tools like Zomentum, it gives you that framework that you can quite easily build out a process, even if you don't really know what you're doing, if that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And, and and I think as we've just acknowledged, most MSPs don't really know what they're doing. What what you've said there is is what I think the, the vast majority of MSPs would admit to. So without turning this into a massive plug for Zomentum, mm. uh, which, which I'm always cautious of, 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 you know, this isn't a commercial podcast, this is an educational podcast, but I do think that Zomentum is a, is, is a great tool uh, and it's it's one that should be explored. Let's just briefly look at what, what's the what's the, the gap that, that the creators of Zomentum saw and how does Zomentum fill that gap and help make sales easier for an MSP? The gap really was was understanding that most MSPs have the same problem. They don't know how to sell or the, and but the, the problem really comes from the lack of tooling more so perhaps than the lack of knowledge or perhaps you can use a tool to, to deliver that knowledge and, and help build out those processes. So specifically, how how does it do that? Again, without obviously getting into uh, the specifics of it, what what are, what are the ways that Zomentum f- fixes that problem? So I, I think it, it probably helps to perhaps take a step back from from Zomentum specifically, or uh, and the sales piece, and look at the overall process through an MSP's business. And and I've I wouldn't say I've always said this because it's been something of a realization over the, over the last year. But there's, there's four key tools that I think all MSPs need to have. And I would always build this stack backwards now. You know, when you first start a new business, the first thing you need to be able to do is comply with accounting legislation, file your taxes, do your payroll, and issue invoices to clients. You, know, you need to be able to collect the money. So the first tool that you're probably going to look at is going to be an accounting tool like QuickBooks or Xero that's going to help you collect cash at the early days of the business. And that will run you up until maybe you've got five or 10 clients where you can keep that information mostly self-contained in your head. You're probably not needing to share it with many other people. And But when you reach that tipping point, the next thing you need is the ability to to manage those clients. And so that's then where the PSA comes in. So once you get past perhaps that initial five or 10 clients or you're starting to employ more people, um, you bring on board a PSA to help you with the the onboarding, the project planning, the service desk, the billing, which will then integrate with and pass things on to your accounting. That's great. And you're starting to get organic referrals at that point. You're building your client base. You're probably not doing any proactive sales and marketing, but you're, you're, you're building your business very organically. People are referring, you know, referring prospects to you. So then there comes a point where with those referrals, you need a way to track all of the incoming organic opportunities. And so then I think is the time to look at bringing in a sales platform like Zomentum to help you manage the sales cycle and ensure that of those organically arriving referrals and and prospects, you're closing as many of them as possible. Then there comes a point where you're closing the vast majority of the incoming organic referrals 
and you're ready to start proactively marketing to bring in the the less organic uh, opportunities. And so that, I think, is the time when you really want to start looking at bringing on board marketing resources, reaching out to the marketing firm, putting in place those the, the marketing automations tools like HubSpot, Active Campaign, that kind of thing. So when you know when I talk about that that core pipeline through the business, building it backwards from the accounting, then to the PSA, then to the sales, and then finally to the marketing. Ben, you've just laid out the first five to ten years of an MSP's life there. <laughs> it's, 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 it's a <laughs> I wish it was you, that easy. Well, yeah, I mean, you've got to do a few technical things and, you know, take a few phone calls along the way. But um, yeah, there's certainly something in that. Listen, you and I are going to continue our conversation on YouTube, but we're going to pause for now on the podcast. Just tell us a little bit more about how we can get in touch with you and talk about Zementum. Sure. Uh, best place is probably to, to look me up on LinkedIn. Um, just, yeah, just search Ben Spector. If you want to know more about Zementum, just Zementum.com. Nice and simple. So you were going, you and I are going to head over now to YouTube where we're going to continue this conversation. Some of the things I want to ask you about, I want to ask you about your software choices. For example, HubSpot. HubSpot's a great marketing tool. It does have a big caveat, which is you have to basically give them your kidney every month. It's an expensive <laughs> piece of software. So as, as someone who has actively used it in the past, I want to see if, if you would choose HubSpot again. Uh, and we'll perhaps look at QuoteWorks uh, in a similar way. I also want to talk about what it must have been like for you to have sold your business and then go to work for someone else because you, you you went you were telling us earlier you went to be a technical director uh, at another MSP so I want to talk about um, what that what that must have done to your to your mind um, set uh, and also we'll talk about shiny new thing syndrome as well so you and I are going to continue this conversation right now at youtube.com slash MSP marketing Paul Green's MSP marketing podcast this week's recommended book. Hi, I'm Neil Rennick from MSP Dark Web. The book that I'd like to recommend is Launch by Jeff Walker. The simple reason that it really helped us to build the initial stages of our brand new online dark web scanner with the power of being able to sell almost anything online on a subscription base. Coming up next week. This is Shreb from asaservice.support. Join me on Paul's podcast next week as we talk about MSPs all around the world and how they are very much the same but very different too. Do subscribe wherever you listen to this podcast so you never miss an episode because next week we're going to be finishing off this three-part series about getting a phone person. I'll be telling you next week who they should be calling and what they should be saying. Plus, we're going to be talking next week about getting a business mom. What is a business mom and why does every MSP need one? Well, I'll tell you that on next week's show. Now, on YouTube, we have a ton of extra content for you. The extended interview with Ben Spexer from this week, that's there right now on YouTube. And on Thursday, we'll be releasing the latest episode of Another Bite. It's our show about the show, where we pick up some of the most interesting things from this podcast, and we discuss them in a little bit more detail. You'll find all of that at youtube.com slash Marketing. Join me next Tuesday and have a very profitable week in your MSP. Made in the UK for MSPs around the world. Paul Green's MSP Marketing Podcast.